0: Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us this week, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
1: So we've talked a little bit about the passing of David Lindley, and that was him on the lap steel guitar, which is, I guess it's kind of like a pedal steel. Mm -hmm. Pretty much the same thing, but it was sits in your lap and uh, it uh, was on an older recording of a Jackson Brown song called Running on Empty Uh, you know this guy was a very versatile musician and he passed away recently Uh, and he also was friends with a guy named Uh, Henry Kaiser Henry Kaiser is a very strange guy at least in terms of the way he plays the guitar Uh, I've listened to some of his music you can't hardly listen to it I I need to go back and try to listen to it again Uh, but the two of them went over to Madagascar which is an island off of I think it's right off of africa and or yeah pretty sure all right now i just sent you one from them over in madagascar so these guys are confident enough in their own musical ability to go play with these malagasy people their own kind of music and try to they have these stringed instruments that are just different kind of things and this is them in Madagascar. This is... And... you talk talking
0: it, about David Lindley.
1: Yeah, what are you playing?
0: Henry Kaiser and David Lindley. Yeah. In Madagascar. It's
1: in Madagascar. It's sort of a reggae sound yeah. and... Yeah. And they just like people like that they're willing to get out of their lane go try something different you know and why are you turning it off it's just getting started (laughs) it's the financial we're just all (laughs) we're gonna do is talk about boring money all right anyway i try to throw a little extra stuff in here and the reason is because musicians that are willing to try different musical genres I think are comfortable in their own skill level and ability to really interpret what actually is music because what is music it kind of varies from generation to generation. And there's things that people listen to and they tell me they think it's music and I don't think it's music, but I've always admired people that can kind of get outside their own lane and 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 appreciate what's musical about something else, maybe from someone in another culture. Yeah. And when I'm dealing with kids in their 20s these days, I feel like I'm dealing with someone <laughs> in another culture anyway. All right. So – Mike, you had some things that you wanted to talk about about the cycles of interest rate investing and things of that nature. So, yeah, why don't we look at that and so, talk a little about it? We're we're kind of in the sell off in the market today as we record this, uh, but there's also interesting. You know, the bond side of things seems to be rallying, which uh, might mean that what we're seeing. Is being interpreted as, as being kind of anti inflationary.
2: Right. Well, I, I want to frame it first. Uh, so let's go from ground up. Um, when we we're talking about bonds um, and we refer to long bonds, short bonds, um, a lot of people don't understand, they understand the name difference, but they don't understand what we're talking about. We're talking about how long until they mature. Um, right. What a lot of people don't understand is what that has to do with price uh, of the bond uh, from an investment. From the investor's standpoint, what does a long bond mean or what kind of repercussions does that have? And the same with short term. Um, And for simplicity's sake, we're going to talk treasuries. We're not going to talk corporate bonds, which which is debt issued by companies. Uh, with that, you have not only interest rate risk, but you have credit risk. The That's company right. could default. Um, with government bonds, you have interest rate risk. Right. So when we're looking at long bonds, for example, so long-term 20-plus years on maturity, what does that mean? Pros and cons. Um, so pros, for example, uh, if you have – and. Mat- you have duration, uh, which is, think of it basically like maturity. There are major differences. Well, what it
1: is, is it's it's the time in which it takes you to get your money back. Right. And it's a kind of a synthetic thing. Yeah. Because it counts interest rates, or no, it counts interest payments that you've received. So if the bond's got a 10-year maturity and it's paying, I don't know, 5%, the duration is going to be around I don't know eight and a half years, right? Which because by then you will have collected some of your principal back, and then even though you don't get it all back until for another, they're they're kind of putting an imaginary waypoint in there, right? Um, it's kind of
2: meaningless, yeah. So just for our listeners, think of it just maturity when the bond matures, say like a CD. when a CD and the matures. maturity date is when you get your principal back, right? So, when you have interest rates go up, the longer the bond, the more the price is going to move on that bond. So, for example, last year in 2022, long treasuries were down about 30%. Um, short-term, were up 1.4%. Now, you mean in price- in uh, price, yes, uh, this is a total return price. Uh, so this is the one to three month uh, T bill ETF. Okay, so it, it,
1: the price of it kind of dropped, but the the interest received on it went up. So that's why that number was
2: right, a, a positive number. But each one of them, from from an investment and in a portfolio construction standpoint, long bonds can be used more for speculating well
1: that's kind of who buys them
2: yeah or insurance companies or somebody matching up uh liability yeah exactly um but want to look at historical ranges Uh, so for example when interest rates were range bound and they used the the years 1926 to 1950 Long bonds had annualized returns of 4%. Five-year treasuries, 3.3. One-month T-bills, 1%. That's what you would expect. Longer-term bonds, you have slightly higher rates. It's a a normalized curve. In a rising rate environment, which they use 1951 to 1980, long bonds, annualized return, 2.1%. Five-year treasuries, 4%. One month T bills, four point three percent. You're better off staying short. Staying short, falling rates, nineteen eighty one to twenty twenty. On the long end, the long end, nine point four percent. Five year Treasuries, seven point two. One month T bills, four percent. Yeah, because yeah, it's a good analogy. And so, each each one of these time periods. Um, it, it, bonds are no different than stocks. When you say there's a you know, own own stocks, well, what kind of stocks? Bonds is no different. What kind of bond? Do you own long bonds, short bonds, corporate bonds, treasuries? Yeah, what, 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 what kind of credit? What exactly. Kind of maturity day? So in portfolio construction, when you're investing money, uh, there are reasons to own during different times. Right now, for example, you're getting over 4% in short-term money market right and longer term bond funds you're not getting paid much more but you have more price movement price risk so from an investor standpoint if you want liquidity if you want to be able to take advantage of equities stocks and invest in long term growth of a company rising dividends you're not wanting to take that price risk on bonds you want to have short term higher yielding money market um, and so each environment has different opportunities and different risks
1: and they always have and they always will exactly but a in- good bond person knows the different maturities the different credits and how to get around in the different parts of the bond market right and how the spreads that is the interest rate differential between one type of bond and another kind of bond those spreads can get wide or get narrow meaning they're going up in price
2: or going down in price
1: yeah or you know the difference means that the yield of one becomes significantly higher than the yield of another and then sometimes they'll tighten to where the yield of one is barely different than the other
2: one right and and we we see this with different investments that we have in our portfolio, which means sometimes you get big opportunities with because the spreads, for example, if spreads had widened out. Uh, that might be an opportunity to add to an existing position for because it helps the fundamentals of this company that you're owning. Um, but you know, interest rates, you know, 2022, that was. That was the talk last year. Uh, that's why equities, you know, repriced went down. Um, part of the reason is kind of the headline, if you will. Um, but you look at what's going on today, what started yesterday and still continuing today out on the West Coast with uh, SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, um, you essentially had a run on that bank. Now, Tom, you were, you were in the business, but you had, uh, the, the, uh, but I was sa- drunk <laughs> <laughs> the, the savings and loan crisis. It's a joke. Yeah. I, we went
1: through that. Now here's what happened. And it always is the same thing in banking. Banks take deposits. Well, now really you think you tell, you put your money in the bank and you're sort of putting it there. You're, lend, you're lending your money to the bank. They take your money, and they borrow it from you, and they turn around and lend it out to somebody else. Now, if it's a demand deposit, that's a checking account, you can take that money out anytime you want to. You can basically Terminate your loan to the bank by writing a check on it. It's that simple. What happens is if enough people in a bank that are depositors or basically loaning their money to the bank decide that either number one, the bank's not paying them enough interest to for them to keep their money at that bank, or uh, number two, they're worried that the bank may be a little shaky. They're going to start pulling their money out. Now, I, that may be a big part of what has occurred in Silicon Valley.
2: The interesting thing to me. Uh, it, I would say it undoubtedly is a yeah. big part of it. You, you look at like the savings and loan crisis or other financial crisis that we had, 8 09. The issue in 08-09 were the assets that the banks were holding. You didn't know if they were good quality or not. Right. Had no idea. So now you there you had a uh, asset type of crisis and this is not an asset crisis because the assets are good they were well capitalized the issue is like you said customers taking their deposits and because on the bank and because interest rates have gone up the assets that they have the the bonds that we were talking about before because interest rates have gone up, the prices of those bonds have gone down. Gone back. And when they have to sell them, they are selling at a loss. At a hit. And that's what wipe, wiped out the equity essentially in, well, literally, in, S, in Silicon Valley Bank. That's right. And so what you're having now is that uh, the, the contagion, and it's just kind of spread international now. You've had a lot of the international big banks that have gone down in price because of this one bank in California that went under. Um, And so that's where you have contagion and you can have one issue that starts to reverberate through the market and it causes repricings of these various securities. Now, that can pose risk, but it can also provide opportunities from an investment standpoint. but you think, I mean, you, you, back in 2020 with COVID, you had all this money just flooding into the system. And prior to that, you had interest rates low. But then you had extra deposits going into the banks. So the, the fiscal policy was putting money into the economy, going into the banks. And banks were happy. Um, you know,
1: Well, but there's one problem rates were interest rates were extremely low at that point Mm -hmm. and if a bank takes your deposit they have to be able to put it into something that earns them a what's called a spread which is a difference between what they're paying you to rent your money and what they're earning on what they put it into Mm -hmm. and mind you they have to keep 10 percent of it back as a reserve requirement so you know, the banks, any interest rate environment can be a tough
2: environment in which they have to operate. And so the, the banks were getting flooded with cash. They had to buy expensive bonds. And now with rates with what the Fed has done, so fiscal policy, monetary policy was flooding the banks. And now monetary policy Raising rates, so the assets that they essentially had to buy are going down in value That's right. when everybody's pulling the deposit. Because they
1: paid a high price for those.
2: Law guys. of unintended consequences. Exactly,
1: And they shouldn't have gone out on the curve because
2: they couldn't get a higher rate
1: by going long. And, and the ones that did, they're getting, you know, and got a half a 1% yield for a five-year bond,
2: uh-uh. Yeah. Now they're getting it handed to them. That's right. But so interest rates, you know, everybody talks about interest rates, but really interest rates, that's the lifeblood of everything in finance. With that's banks, right. investments, cost of borrowing, everything. That is the foundation of everything. And so... Each, you know, if, if it's a bond, it's a, if you're looking at it as an investment, or if you're a borrower looking, you know, what's it going to cost to borrow, everything is driven by interest rates, completely. Um, so we'll see how things play out. It's still early on, and uh, what's going on uh, with with especially with you know regional banks and. Uh, Silicon Valley, especially, you know, you've had, you know, the venture capital firms, private equity, uh, essentially pulling their money from SVB, and they're spreading out their risk because, hey, you can get, you know, a better yield on a treasury than you can with what they were paying with the, with the basically no interest savings, and so <coughs> it's it, it's it's money being dispersed in a way, to the most efficient use of it. Um, so, I mean, you can't blame the companies or the depositors at all. Um, but it's just, again, law of unintended consequences. Be aware of, of this type thing when you're investing. Um, be aware of it. Look for risk. Look for opportunities. Right.
0: You are listening to The Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson sitting in. If you'd like for us to take a look at your portfolio, give us a call 859 233 400 or you can schedule an appointment with us directly on our website, duprefinancial.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned.
3: I i
0: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of our Financial Hour. Joining us this week, Mike Johnson, our host Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
1: So this is more of David Lindley who just passed away recently. And this is from a a video that Henry Kaiser, who was a good friend of David Lindley, and also a guitarist, uh, he recorded this in frankfurt germany so the guy just had music kind of pouring out of his veins you know i mean he could p- play so this is creole blues kind of deep new orleans style uh you know we heard him play madagascarian music uh I play in the first hour. I showed him playing reggae. I had him on the Jackson Brown album, so he can. He's pretty versatile in in the different styles of music in with a with a slide guitar in many ways. Real musician. He's quite a musician, and was a guy. They called him a multi instrumentalist. He played all kinds of instruments. All right, so you want to talk about? something I'm not sure quite
2: <laughs> what it is we'll figure it out yeah no uh, uh, along the in the same vein of long-term interest rates um, want to talk about long-term market returns uh, because <clears throat> anytime you have a major event in the market you have to take a step back uh, get perspective on what your goals are as an investor first off um, but then You you have to get in the weeds when you invest with a particular company, Um, but you you can't lose sight of the forest for the trees, so to speak. Um, And we'll we'll circle this around a little bit to to Buffett, but I want to take a step back, look at S and P five hundred rolling returns. Um, So if you look at the best ten year annualized return and this goes back through, uh, 1926 through 2023, the best 10 year, uh, annualized return was 21.4%. And that was the period ending, uh, in 1959. The worst 10 year annualized return was, uh, about five year, or excuse me, 5% a year ending in the summer of 1939. Now, you look at let's let's take it from a ten year and then we'll look at a twenty year and a thirty so year. So they were all positive. Even through the depression.
1: Yep. You you, you were averaging five percent a year even through those horrible early years.
2: Yes. The best twenty year annual return was more than eighteen per, just right about eighteen percent from the early eighties through two thousand. Yeah. That's when everybody thought the market would never go down. Yep. The worst 20-year was a gain of about 2%. Uh, a and, year. Yes. And, and excuse me. Excuse me. On the, the worst 10-year, excuse me, it was a loss of 5%. I said positive 5%. It was a loss of 5%. Oh, okay. So, yeah, ex- excuse makes me. A, makes so, a huge difference. Yes. So, the best 10-year was 21%. The worst 10-year was a loss of 5%. Right. Now, as we get further out, you see that uh, the, the spread kind of contract a little bit. So, the the best 20-year was 18% average annualized. The worst 20-year was a gain of 2%. So, remember, in the 10-year, the the worst was a loss of 5% a year, and the worst with a 20-year was a gain of 2%. Right. Now, you take that to the 30-year, uh, and the best 30-year was 14.8% a right. year. And that was the year ending in 1968. Uh, and the worst, one second, uh, the lowest, the the worst uh, was 7.8%. For so, 30. For 30. And that was going back to 1926. So, so 26 through 56. Uh-huh.
1: So, think of this. That's when they first started really keeping. Uh, 26 was when they first. I remember when you had Ibbotson. They were the big number thing.
2: And they always started in 1926. Yep. Now, here's where you have to be careful. We're looking at averages here. So, it's averages are important. Averages are most important in the accumulation phase. When you're contributing to a 401k. Absolutely absolutely but during that worst 30year period uh, which was a 7.8 percent positive return you would have lost more than 80 percent of your investment uh, in during the finan- or during the crash but you still over that period would have had a total return of 850 percent but you would have lost 80 percent at one point Wow now. This is the sequence of return risk, which is something that that we are very uh, conscientious about for our clients because we're dealing with retirement money. That right there, that's great as a long-term investor during the accumulation phase. You know it's it's phenomenal. The longer it's in there, you have a better chance of doing well now in the future. Who knows if the same 30 year averages are going to hold, we don't know, but you're, you're betting on, uh, you know, humans, human capital, being able to continue. I mean, to that's, things. that's always what you're, bet. I,
1: it, I don't care what kind of company it is. Yeah. You're always betting on management. You're always, or, or, let's don't use the word bet. You're always investing with management. Right. If you do more research, it takes the bet part out of it. Yeah. It it
2: tends to, at least. Um, But when you're dealing with retirement money and money that you're taking distributions from, if you have a period where the market or your investments go down 80%, you're in a world of hurt. If you're contributing...
1: Especially if you're taking distributions. Exactly. Because now you're having to make investment decisions and what is it what are those investment decisions selling at a certain time right i mean you you are in a sense making investment decisions when you're accumulating but your investment decision has a long runway to work when you're selling you're now cutting off the you're making another kind of investment decision which is to end the investment, and you're ending it right at a time
2: when it's down. Not good. Right. And and so that's that's where you get into, yes, markets are great. Long-term averages have been phenomenal with the markets, um, and all of that's true, but when you get into the specific Personal situation that you face, um, there's there's decisions that have to be made. You, know, you, you look at the last 30 years uh, in the market, the average return has been 9.8%. Uh, and the most recent, I, I love this, the most recent 30 year period, this since 1993, you've had. Asian currency crisis, dot com crash, nine eleven, the uh, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the financial crisis, pandemic, uh, war in Ukraine, nine percent inflation, flash crashes, all these different things in these last thirty years, and the markets have continued on. <clears throat> but don't let uh, I'm, I'm this is meant. To be encouraging because markets are resilient. They are. Companies are... Because people are. People are resilient. Companies are resilient. But don't let averages lull you into complacency uh, because that... Well,
1: especially if you're in the distribution phase. Right. Now, here's one thing that can make a difference there. Dividends. So... So there's two components of total return on any security. (laughs) There is the growth of principal. So that would be on a bond, let's say, uh, if you bought the bond at a discount. Let's say you paid 80 cents on the dollar for it. And there's a lot of bonds trading at least that cheap (laughs) right now. Some even cheaper. So, if you paid eighty cents on the dollar, sixty cents on the dollar, whatever, and you know that the bond will ultimately mature at par, which is a hundred cents on the dollar, the difference between the sixty or seventy or eighty cents that you pay for it now and the hundred cents that you're going to get for it when it matures—that's growth of principal. That's like a stock going from you know eighty to hundred, or uh, any kind of investment going up in value That's also called yield to maturity well that that's a component of it so this is now we're getting into the thing of where stocks and bonds are exactly alike because what you're doing is you're you're um you're basically measuring uh, the uh uh the uh your, sorry A little bug just crawled across the table and I'm laughing at it. No, it's a joke. (laughs) What you're looking at is price action and cash flow. Cash flow on a bond, it's an interest payment. On a stock, it's a dividend payment. No difference. The security pays you something for owning it. With a bond, it's real simple. The payment, the interest payment is rent on your money. Let's make it real simple. Mm-hmm. They are borrowing your money for you from you. You're renting it to them, and they're paying you to rent your money. It's just like if you owned a rental property. We had a guy, who, anyway, he made good analogies. He's doing something different now. But um, it was all, he would always talk about rental properties, you know. always well, you see, you don't go out and cut off a piece of the door in order to, you know.
0: I think that you don't cut down the tree yeah, to pick the was, apple or that something. That was part
1: of it. Yeah. You wait for the apples to come off the tree and you sell the apples. It's real simple. I mean, what is an apple tree? It's a rental property. And the dividends are the apples that you sell or the interest payments, whatever. Mm -hmm. A stock, a common stock, not a preferred stock. It's a different deal. A common stock that pays a dividend is essentially paying you for being a shareholder in the company. That means you're a part owner and you're getting paid a share of the profits by getting a dividend. It's that simple. This is not hard. Now, what is total return? Total return is security either up or down in price plus Dividends or interest received. So let's just think about it a minute. Let's say, I don't know, uh, you bought a stock for $90 a bond, or a, a bond for 90 cents on the dollar. It pays 5% on the par value. But if you buy it for 90 You've now established your cost basis as being 90 cents on the dollar, not 100. The stock goes up to, let's say, 99 cents on the dollar. Well, you've made 10% in terms of price appreciation. And over that year period, you have earned $5. What is five dollars as a percent? It's going to be higher than five percent because it would be five percent on par, which is a hundred. So on ninety, it's going to be a higher number. It's about five and a half. So you've had a total return that year of fifteen point five percent. You add. How much it went up and how much you earned in dividends. And there's your total return. Total return, you have to look at an investment. You can't just look at the yield. Yeah. And you can't just look at the price appreciation. Now, if it's a stock or a bond that pays no current income, some bonds are what are called zero coupon bonds, they don't pay current interest. It's all essentially paid at maturity. Or a stock that pays no dividend, that's typically referred to as a growth stock. Why is it referred to as a growth stock? Because you ain't going to get any return any other way than if it grows until it starts paying a dividend, which it might not do meaning that if it doesn't grow, you don't get any return. Mm-hmm. A growth stock will calculate its total return purely on the growth of principal. That's it. It's that simple. And I'm going to be real honest with you. Anybody that tries to complicate it too far beyond that is, is trying to hustle you. Yeah. Now I'm gonna lie to you, no oh it's a joke. it's just a joke, Elizabeth, my Lord, my wife takes things extremely seriously, <laughs> and you know it's just it's gonna be her prerogative to do that, so therefore the bad boy in me tries to make j- <laughs> sorry
0: to poke the bear. it was simple yeah, yeah it was just yeah. a joke.
1: The point is, this Your jokes aren't, aren't funny. funny. Okay, we've established that. Now, the point is, this does not need to be overly complicated. Now, compound rates of return over a long period of time. We just showed you how to do a total return for one year. You're going to do total return for three-year, five-year, ten-year. Now you're getting into mathematical formulas because you're adding together all these sequences of returns. And this is basically kind of a calculus problem. And the people that know how to calculate these things with computer programs, I mean, you could do it by hand. It's going to be a lot of work. But – there are good programs, very reliable, that can give you a feeling for what has been your compounded rate of return, and that's where you learn about how you're building your wealth. That's right.
2: Now, the other thing, so let's say you go back to your your first analogy. You buy, we'll use a stock. You buy it at $90 a share. It's paying $5. So, that yield on when you buy it is five. We'll say five and a half percent.
1: Yeah, it's because you bought it at less than par, and right. it'll ultimately mature. Well, well, let's
2: let's use a stock. We'll use a stock as an example. Okay, use the stock. So, so you buy it at ninety. Is paying five dollars on the dividend yields five and a half percent. Goes to a hundred dollars a share. Still paying five dollars. So you're. Yield. You've 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 had price appreciation. Your total return has been fifteen or so percent. Right. But your current yield, and this is where it it, on a new purchaser on a new so somebody
1: that comes in and buys it at hundred. Right. He's only going to get five percent yield. Right. And he may not get any total return off the thing if the stock price doesn't keep going up. Exactly.
2: And so that as an investor as a manager. That's what you have to look at. It's opportunity cost at that point. So if if you like the company, now they may raise the dividend. So now they're gonna pay five dollars and fifty cents, so it's now a five and a half percent dividend right. yield. Or maybe the stock price got ahead of sure. fair value. Yeah, that's right. And so that's when a stock can be expensive and it might make sense to Take, your, take some profits, Take all the take, sell the whole position. Never sell. And Never then sell. get Never sell. into something else Never sell. that Never has a, a better joke. total return. I'm joking with you. you know? So the whole thing, <laughs> you have to pay attention to it. Yeah. Never sell. Never sell. <laughs> Never sell.
0: I think we might need to mute his microphone at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes you should sell. Actually. All
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, You've been trying. listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson. If you'd like for us to take a look at your portfolio <laughs> or offer financial planning services, give us a call, 859 233 Sometimes I laugh at
1: things that other people don't think are funny.
0: Or go to our Sorry. website, com, and you can schedule a time to come see us right there. We appreciate you listening, and we will be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned.